0: Welcome to Aging Better in Uncertain Times. I'm Gord Martineau, in studio, alongside Dr. Fabio Varlese. Here, we help you keep informed and up-to-date on the latest in science, medicine, and technology that helps us all age better in these uncertain times. It's estimated
1: that uh, about 10,000 hours of high-intensity intermittent UV exposure is required to develop a basal cell carcinoma, so that needs to add up over a lifetime. Whereas with squamous cell carcinoma, um, which is a little more serious than basal cell, uh, does have a little higher mortality rate, um, that's total cumulative lifetime
0: sun exposure. Today, we're talking breakthrough innovation in skin cancer with Dr. Maxwell Sauter, a board-certified dermatologist in Canada and the United States. Thanks for joining us on our weekly guide into living a better, healthier life so we can all experience aging better these uncertain times throughout this series we're going to examine the best ways to prepare ourselves for the future so what's the best advice for our overall health we're going to look at every aspect affecting your life and that means physical mental financial nutritional and medical we'll cover all the bases. To do that, we'll supply you with high-value information from the leading experts in each field. And by that, I don't mean just everyday opinions. We'll be introducing you to the leading experts in each field, men and women who have studied, worked, and who teach at the highest levels. You have questions, we have the answers. Joining me here in the studio is Dr. Fabio Varlese a specialist in internal medicine and geriatric medicine. He's the vice president of medical affairs and chief of staff at Runnymede Hospital, staff specialist at Baycrest Health Sciences, and Dr. Varlazi, also the assistant professor at the University of Toronto. Dr. Varlazi, thanks for being with us, too. Uh, we are also going to be joined by Dr. Maxwell Sauter in just a moment. But first, let's talk. The, the subject today is cancer in an aging population, skin cancer and other forms of cancer and new developments and treatments that are going to be available. So this is going to be a knowledgeable session for all of us.
2: It sure is and um, as uh, an internist and particularly a geriatrician with aging, uh, the problem uh, connected to cancer uh, becomes um, uh, sort of uh, an uh, an important issue in my patients. Um, It's not like, you know, aging equals cancer and that's the most important thing to you know, to point towards, but with aging, the opportunity uh, um, to develop uh, some form of cancer increases and whether, and we're gonna hear from Dr. Sauter, I'm looking forward to this, uh, you know, with aging, obviously there's uh, changes in our immune system, um, uh, and um, you know there's there's uh, the presence of other comorbidities that can contribute to you know our our own ability to fight off both infections or even cancer, and so um, uh, as mentioned, uh, you know there's a lot of factors uh, that are related to. Our lifestyle that play a significant role in the incidence of cancer. Um, but particularly, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear more also about the skin cancer. And mm-hmm. it's important to know because, um, I mean, uh, I believe melanoma sees approximately 8,000 cases a year in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh but not all skin cancer is the dangerous type, and um, and this requires uh, you know, doing skin surveys on patients, so sure. I want to hear more about it. Okay, let's bring him in. Dr. Maxwell Sauter,
0: thank you very much for joining us today. You're a board-certified dermatologist in Canada and the United States, very well versed. Uh, you're a former faculty member of, of Harvard Medical School where you focused on skin uh, toxic, toxicities and, of course, the treatments thereof. Um, tell me about the newest uh, treatments for cancer and uh, specifically skin cancer. You're studying all these fields. What's new in the field that we can think about?
1: Great. Well, uh, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, so this is a very, very uh, important topic. And, mm-hmm. and thanks for focusing on this. Um, you know, uh, in 2011, there was a huge paradigm shift in the management of cancer in that uh, we had our first immunotherapy that was approved, and it was approved uh, within the treatment of melanoma, specifically metastatic melanoma. So
0: a giant leap forward then?
1: Giant leap forward. And essentially, um, the shift was rather than using toxic agents that um, focus on rapidly dividing cells and and killing those rapidly dividing cells uh, immunotherapy looks to unleash the body's immune system Mm. own the body's own immune system to fight cancer Uh, in a healthy individual one that doesn't have cancer our body's immune systems regularly survey uh, the body to look for, uh, irregular cells, rapidly dividing cells and and treat them before they turn into, to cancer. When one develops cancer, uh, the cancer has a variety of mechanisms that basically evade the body's immune system. Um, and what immunotherapy has done is it essentially cuts the brakes to the body's immune system in order for the immune system to then fight the cancer. Right. And to give you an example, In 2011, the five-year survival rate for metastatic melanoma was about 5%. Um, And nowadays, with the advent of immunotherapy, the five-year survival rate for metastatic melanoma is well over 50%. Mm. Um, And that is uh, light years ahead. So in in oncology, uh, an increase in survival rate of even 5%. Uh, for a treatment is considered a blockbuster b- or, bl- or a breakthrough drug. And so we're looking at going from 5% to to over 50%.
0: And so our, our awareness and our knowledge of skin cancer in particular has increased substantially over the last couple of decades. I mean, the first time that I really took it seriously personally was when I discovered the death of uh, former Quebec Premier Robert Baudissau in 1996, who died of melanoma and it wasn't long after he was diagnosed. So we've come a long way since then, but what kind of treatments can you offer or tell people about, especially an aging population when it comes to skin cancer, what should they be looking for and how should they be, be treating their skin?
1: Yeah. um, So I think there's a lot to unpack in that question. Um, First and foremost, Uh, what you do now uh, can dramatically affect uh, the development of skin cancer. Skin cancer uh, can broadly be uh, broken down into melanoma, which is the most serious form, uh, which thankfully accounts to a very low percentage uh, of all skin cancers and non-melanoma skin cancer. Um, And that includes basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma, And then some other rarer skin cancers. Thankfully, those two basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma um, do not have the same mortality or morbidity rate um, as melanoma, but they are extremely, extremely, extremely common. Mm. Um, So common that we actually don't have good statistics on these uh, skin cancers. Um, And in fact, basal cell carcinoma is the most common form of cancer, not just skin cancer, but cancer period that Canadians uh, will be affected by. Um, And all of these uh, are driven by ultraviolet or UV exposure. So uh, protecting yourself from the sun uh, is an excellent strategy for uh, prevention, not to say not to go out and uh, you know become a, a vampire, but <laughs> safe sun practices such as uh, using the shade, wearing broad-brimmed hats, sun protective clothing, um, and uh, using sunscreen regularly and, and reapplying uh, regularly. So that's what you can do from a, a prevention standpoint, broad in broad terms. In terms of what to look for. So that's a really important thing. Uh, In dermatology, we are a very visual field. So uh, I'm treating diseases that that I can see. And uh, so we like to engage our patients uh, in partnership for for this uh, vital surveillance job. And um, so I teach my patients in terms of non-melanoma skin cancer, the things to look out for are a wound or a sore that doesn't heal for more than a month,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: or a bump that keeps on growing for more than a month. And if something's been present for more than a month and, and it's continuously changing or not healing, that's an indication to seek medical attention, be it from your primary care doctor or from a dermatologist. Right.
0: Uh, when from, we're, ta- when yeah. we're, we're talking about cancer therapies, what kind of products can you recommend that people should be thinking about and using?
1: Um, So the number one thing is sunscreen. Um, And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great sunscreens out there, you can break them down into either physical sunscreens, such as those containing uh, zinc or titanium, or those that are chemical, also known as organic. Um, and, uh, there are, are a lot of great products out there. Um, I generally provide a list of, uh, common products, uh, that I recommend to my patients. Some of those products include, um, Anthelios by La Roche-Posay um, umbrella sunscreen, um,
0: Avene sunscreen, just to, to name a few. Uh, Dr. Varlese, you've had this conversation, I'm sure many times with your patients and, you know, what can I do to, to prevent skin cancer? How should I treat my skin? And if I should get it, what do I do? I mean, the, the very word cancer is pretty scary for a lot of people.
2: It it certainly is. Uh, And most of those recommendations we already heard from uh, Dr. Sauter, I mean, obviously covering up and, you know, uh, limiting your uh, exposure to sun, but at the same time, it's important to find that the perfect balance because we need the exposure also for our vitamin D. Um, but um, perhaps, you know, practices such as looking at the UV index forecast when you go out and, you know, making sure to, you know, to practice uh, safely. I, I think that uh, it's also important to be able to say that patients that have that are much more fair skin and that have light color eyes are even at a, at a higher risk Mm. Uh, of, of uh, skin damage from sun and, and predisposition uh, for cancer. So these are all important things. So counseling your patient is important, but also doing a proper physical exam um, and uh, skin survey to go looking for these possibilities. And I would also ask Dr. Sauter about the, um, you know, what about the, the non-visible melanomas, for example? Sometimes they could be in our gastrointestinal tract. What... Uh, well, um, You know, obviously, if you're going for, sometimes these are discovered uh, for during regular colonoscopies mm-hmm. and gastroscopy, gastroscopies that happen, you know, uh, with patients, but uh, many times uh, they're undetected. But, uh, Dr. Sutter, what do you think about uh, these cases?
1: Yeah, um, so uh, before I get into that, I will also say that the signs and symptoms that I went over were for non-melanoma skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Sure. For melanoma specifically, which again is the most deadliest form of skin cancer, uh, this is generally something that we do see on the skin to begin with. Um, So it's really only about two to five percent of metastatic cases uh, have a a primary of unknown origin, um, whether that be uh, discovering it in the gut or uh, in the brain or in the lung. Um, But what people can do is they can look at their moles, not necessarily on a daily basis, but on a regular basis, Keep like every two to three it, right. months. Keep tracking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look for the ABCD of melanoma. And so a is for asymmetry, meaning you cut it in half and it's different on either side. B is for irregular border. So jagged edges, finger like projections coming out of it. C is for color black or three or more colors d is for diameter anything larger than the pencil eraser or six millimeters and e is the most important point evolution anything changing dramatically and it needs to be a dramatic change um not something that you look at and say eh, has it changed hasn't it changed that's generally not dramatic but if you look at it and say i don't remember my mole looking like that that's something to to get looked at going back to the uh, melanoma not on the skin, Mm -hmm. again, as I said, um, in metastatic cases, about two to 5% of the time, uh, there's an unknown primary. Um, And these are cases um, that are managed generally in a cancer center by a medical oncologist. Um, And the statistics that that I went over with regards to the immunotherapy are directly applicable to these. So um, presenting symptoms can vary um, you know, a patient will be worked up for a variety of reasons, whether it's neurological deficits that they're experiencing, um, uh, a finding um, of uh, lung metastases on uh, some imaging for something else, palpable lymph nodes, um, right. or, uh, you know, GI dysregulation. So this, um, is the,
0: this is the type of issue where you can't see it, where it's not obvious, but it's, you, you suspect it's there.
1: Correct. You're you're investigating um, a symptom that you don't necessarily yeah. uh, know whether it's melanoma or, or for another cause. But ultimately, um, you know, uh, a tumor is detected from some form of in- imaging and a biopsy is performed and and uh, the diagnosis of melanoma or metastatic melanoma. All right.
0: Good. Let's talk about aging people. So it, it naturally follows, I suppose, that the older you are, the more exposure. Uh, you've had to the sun, so so repeated exposure. Are aging people more susceptible to melanoma? Both melanoma and
1: um, non-melanoma skin right. cancer yes. as well. So non-melanoma skin cancer, we know that basal cell um, is related to intermittent high-intensity sun exposure. So we're actually seeing that in a younger population mm. and especially a population that has done indoor tanning uh, specifically. So
0: it's a lifestyle Uh, kind of thing where, Oh, I've got to have a tan or I just don't feel like I can fit in or that sort of thinking. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so we know that indoor tanning, um, even with one exposure can increase your risk of, uh, melanoma significantly, but also basal cell carcinoma. Okay. And, uh, I unfortunately pick up basal cell carcinomas in, uh, individuals that are in their twenties because of indoor tanning use.
0: And aging Uh, people, are they they more susceptible because they've had repeated exposure?
1: Absolutely. So um, uh, it's estimated that uh, about 10,000 hours of high-intensity intermittent UV exposure is required to develop a basal cell carcinoma. So that needs to add up over a lifetime. Whereas with squamous cell carcinoma, um, which is a little more serious than basal cell, uh, yep. does have a little higher mortality rate. Um, that's total cumulative lifetime sun exposure. So that is certainly something that I see very frequently. Uh, I, I see both of them very frequently in, in the aging population, but it's the squamous cell that I worry about more uh, because about 5% of these can metastasize. And, um, that can lead to about a 50% survival rate over five years as well.
0: Dr. Varlazi, you've had this conversation with patients, you know, they, they come to you with concerns and, and so do you have to tell people, you know what, you've got to take precautions here because you if you're older, especially, uh, then you've had repeated exposure to the sun. So your chances of, of developing uh, problems is, is substantial.
2: Well, I, I I tell them that it's it's never too late to you know start doing the right thing. I mean, uh, as we heard from Doctor Sauter, it's the cumulative effect. We you know so so it's never late to advise about you know um, you know uh, controlling the hours of exposure and 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 doing it safely. So I I with aging I never. Uh, think and say that it's never too late because that that doesn't really help patients come on board with uh, those practices that are safe so for sure so uh,
1: and I just want to add to that Um, so I I completely agree with that and um, I often use the analogy of filling a bucket with water so when we fill a bucket full of water if we keep on pouring water in then the water is going to spill over um, and that water spilling over is the development of skin cancer. And so what we can do to prevent further skin cancers is treat what's there, but also reduce the, um, the risk factors associated with it and uh, prevent filling that water, uh, filling that bucket with, with more water.
0: So Dr. Sauter, a lot of people uh, in, in, live in winter climates, northern climates, let's say, Uh, As soon as the snow flies, they head for sunnier climbs, Uh, Florida, Arizona, Texas, California, places like that, Arizona. Um, So they are uh, at greater risk because they're going to encounter longer exposure to the sun. So, you know, even though they're taking precautions, the risk is going to be substantially higher, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And this is a large, uh, a good portion of the population that that I serve in my private clinic. Um, It's often challenging to try and... uh, fit in the optimal time to treat them between uh, their travels to and from the south um, and uh, balancing not wanting to treat them in the summer and wanting to treat them um, before they go away, but also having a window to make sure that there aren't any complications and that everything's clear. Uh, what I would say is that though that population um, as well as uh, mainly anyone with uh, that has a history of skin cancer or significant Um, UV uh, damage, there was a great study in the New England Journal of Medicine out of Australia in 2016, um, looking at the uh, vitamin B3 supplementation. So nicotinamide, also known as niacinamide, Mm -hmm. 500 milligrams twice a day. Um, The conclusion of the article was that it reduces your risk of developing non-melanoma skin cancer by about 20%. So load Um, up on vitamin D. B3. 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 Sorry. Yeah. So nicotinamide, also known as niacinamide, not niacin. Niacin causes flushing and does not have the same benefit.
0: But isn't vitamin D known as a sunshine vitamin that it's important to take that?
1: Absolutely. Vitamin D is certainly important. Um, It's important hugely for uh, bone uh, health and and homeostasis, as well as a variety of other um, functions, especially with regards to our immune system. Canadians are chronically vitamin D deficient, um, but at the same time using sunscreen um, from what we see from our studies um, does not dramatically affect the the vitamin D levels.
0: Disappointing, though, when you think about people, for example, who uh, you know, even in even in the summertime in the north, but also for people who are you know in the in the south, like in the sunnier climates during the winter, that they're going to have to rethink everything because you know you you've got people out there golfing wearing long sleeves and gloves and big hats and everything else, so that it kind of takes the enjoyment out of life, doesn't it?
1: Uh I don't think so. I mean, you know, wearing wearing an extra glove who yeah, cares? Yeah. And uh you know, I often say if you if you look at a swimming pool these days, uh especially with young children in it, more and more you're seeing that the norm is that children are wearing rash guards, yeah, swimming in the water mm. as well as broad-brimmed hats. Mm. This is becoming the fashion. At least I think so. Yeah. Um and uh, you know my wife may disagree with me, um, but uh, thankfully she still sits beside me when we go to a pool. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I think it's becoming more and more the norm. Um, and uh, just to pick up on one thing that you said in, in terms of golfing, um, you know, a lot of people wear one glove yeah. when they're golfing. Yes, they do. I can tell which which hand you wear your golf glove on because of the amount of precancerous or cancerous lesions that are on the unprotected glove. Yeah. Because you're out there golfing for two, three hours, you know, for, uh, 18 holes. Yeah. And, uh, we don't really think about putting sunscreen on the
0: back of our hands Yeah, or playing tennis, for example. I mean, that, that takes, you know, if, if you're playing, you know, um, let's say the best of three sets, you're probably looking at an hour an hour and a half, an hour, three quarters, two hours on on the tennis court. So, you know, you've got it. you've really got to slap on the, on the sunscreen.
1: Absolutely. And and a tip for the golfers that I like to provide, um, is there are some great, um, sunscreen sticks that look like deodorant bars. Mm -hmm. Um, and I recommend to all golfers to keep one in your golf bag and at the turn, uh, between the ninth and 10th hole, um, take that stick out. And apply it to the back of your hands as well as the arms, the back of your neck, and your ears if you're, not, um, if you're wearing a baseball-style hat. The yep. stick, um, I like to recommend because it doesn't muck up your hands. You don't need to wash your hands afterwards, and it doesn't ruin your grip.
0: To sum it up, though, uh, we have to kind of rethink this whole idea of, gee, I always look better or healthier when I have a tan. Maybe you're not. I like to.
1: I like to say that pale is beautiful.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much, Doctor, for your insights and your input today. We enjoyed this conversation, and and all the best to you. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Some final thoughts now with Doctor Varlese's prescription to aging better. So much of the precautions that we take has, you know, a direct bearing on the lightness of our skin. You know, the, the lightness of our complexion, so people with lighter complexions have a tendency to, to
2: burn rather than tan and, and so on. That's true. You know, while it was amazing to hear about the uh, new advancements in immunotherapy and how uh, not even 10 years of research has led us to these improved survival rates, we're still very, very um, focused on making sure that we do all of those things yeah. that help prevent Um, skin cancer melanoma being the the uglier one of of all of them as we heard but um, there is no doubt that uh, populations that uh, genetically tend to be much more fair skin light color eyes light color hair are uh, certainly more susceptible to the negative effects of the Sun and um, and clearly have a higher predisposition not only to burning and burning is a risk factor certainly Developing skin cancer. And so, as physicians, as a medical community, uh, you know, we, we need to continue counseling our patients about safe practices uh, when it comes to uh, protecting themselves from skin cancer.
0: And as we wrap up today, please, folks, get a flu shot. The information is at myflushot.ca Questions about aging better can be emailed to info at agingbetter.ca. Or by visiting our website at agingbetter.ca. Aging better in uncertain times, brought to you by Delos, Runnymede Health, Jewel 88.5, L'Oreal, La Roche Posay, Vichy, Avicana, and Sanofi Pasteur, in part through an educational grant. Be sure to drop in for your next doctor's visit on Jewel 88.5 Sundays at 8:30 a.m. or at Jewel885.com. Until next time, I'm Gord Martino with Dr. Fabio Varlese, along with producers Dominic Shulo and David Sirsta. Be well and stay safe.